Welcome to the Why 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 Show, a comedy podcast about search histories, life, and happening happenings. I'm Jingan and I'm Eliza, and in this podcast, we are going to talk about interesting things that we search for on the internet this week. But first, we need to make a small disclaimer. This is a comedy podcast, and we do our best to research the things that we find. If there's anything that is factually inaccurate, please send us your corrections through our social media channels. You can find us at YYYShow on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Awesome. Okay. Before we start the show, yes, let's make an announcement. Yes. It is episode 80. Yes. Good job, us. <laughs> yes, another 10 episodes out the oven. Which means it is time for our season break. Yes. We'll take a two-week break mm. and before we come back. And we will be back on 28th September. Yes, 28th September. Yep. In the meantime, you can catch up on all our earlier episodes or you can support us on Patreon and go on a listening binge on our One More Thing. Yes. Which is our Patreon-only podcast. Yes. We are 45 episodes in on (laughs) One More Thing and we share one interesting search term each on it. So that's 90 interesting things that you can learn about. Yes. On One More Thing. Yes. 90 things. Yeah. <laughs> Alright. Okay, another thing that I need to add is about the Wobachia mosquitoes we covered last week. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Remember my mom was saying something about the eggs not hatching? Mm, mm, mm. So, apparently, right, if a Wobachia Aedes mosquito, a male one, uh, go and mate with a non Wobachia infected female mosquitoes, mm-hmm, their mm-hmm. eggs won't hatch. Ah. Yeah. It's not because the mosquitoes are infertile. It's because of a thing called Cytoplasmic incompatibility. Oh, cytoplasmic. Okay. Yeah. It's a consequence of the warbachianus of the, the, the mosquito. Yeah, yeah, they got a bacteria already, then they still can birth the eggs, but the eggs cannot hatch. Ah, okay. Yeah, understand. but if it's the other way, right, it's like a warbachia infected female going mate with a non warbachia male, the eggs still can hatch. Oh. But all their offsprings are infected with the warbachia already. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting, this warbachia thing. Yeah. Yes, bacteria for the mosquito. Yeah. Harmless to human. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Good. Okay, let's start the show. Okay. So, Jingan, what is your search term of the week? My search term is... Mooncake Rebellion. I think first we need to explain mooncake to our non-Chinese listeners. Okay, mm. so what is mooncake? A cake <laughs> that we eat. Yes. In the 8th lunar month. Yes, correct, correct. Usually celebrated by Chinese and East Asian people. The mooncake is like a kui. It's not really a soft, fluffy, spongy cake. It's more of a dense, not very sticky, very hard pastry. Is it pastry? It's, it's not pa- even like a crunchy it's pastry. pastry on the outside, right? It's like and then a, the inside is like a paste. Yeah. Like a dense thing. Like a hard bow. Oh man, a hard bow. <laughs> <laughs> hard sweet bow. Yeah, normally it's round. Uh huh. And then like uh, you know, inside there's like many different flavors, mm-hmm. right? And of of course there's the non pastry type, right? Which we have now, bing pea. Oh, yeah, uh, snow that? skin. Snow yeah, snow skin. skin. Snow skin. They use some kind of sugary coating on it. Yes. Yes. 
Yeah. So that's a different type of uh, mooncake, which is not traditional. Like. Basically, the traditional one is the pastry The brown one, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like a cake, like, like fruit cake, maybe. Like consistency, the denseness of it. Like fruit cake, uh, it's more like fruit cake if you like squash it in a plastic bag very hard at the bottom of your school <laughs> bag. You know, you go to school, then you bring, <laughs> bring a, a slice of cake in a bag, a plastic yes. bag. Yeah. Then but at the end know, of the day, if you get to eat it, then it's that consistency. But you yeah. know what fruit cake I'm talking about, right? You know, the like inside have the heart. The green and red beads, right? Yes, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. But it's still much spongier. You have to put that's it in your true. bag and then let all your school books squash it. That's true. Uh, then that's the texture of mooncake. You sound like you really don't like mooncake. Oh yes, I'm not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> Some people do like it. It's not yes. bad. It's yes. quite nice. Mm. Okay, anyway, we traditionally eat this during the mid-autumn festival which mm-hmm. is to appreciate the full moon together. Mm-hmm. And then like, which is also what the moon cakes are shaped after, by the way. Yes. And then the whole festival is like a reunion. Like, it's a, it symbolizes reunion. Mm. Mm. Moon cakes are quite decorated. Like, the mm. top of them, mm. usually it comes out of a mold or something. Yes, there's words on it. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes it's just to denote the flavor. Oh. Yeah. Sometimes it's like nice words. Oh, like auspicious saying. There is a message. Okay, anyway. (laughs) Have you heard of the Mooncake Rebellion? No. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, is this not a thing you know about? Maybe I know it, but I know it in... Is it a Mandarin thing? Or a Chinese thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have I learned about it? A story related... History or something. Ah, yeah. A story related to the Mooncake Festival. Oh, okay. Okay. Please enlighten me. (laughs) So basically, a story that I've heard growing up la. it's like during the end of the Yuan dynasty when China was ruled by the Mongols mm-hmm. then this guy called Zhu Yuanzhang led the rebellion to overthrow them mm-hmm. and then form the Ming dynasty mm-hmm. okay so during the rebellion they put little notes into the mooncake so they bake it into the mooncake and then like these are like the notes to communicate with each other la, to as in they put it in the center of the mooncake or they use the mold and imprint it on the top of the mooncake put it in the center of the mooncake like oh. a note oh, so they hide it yeah 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 okay, they hide okay. it yeah so basically because it was like during the festival and then like they already traditionally give each other mooncake ma, mm-hmm. so they just hide the message inside Oh. So then the 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 message was to like rise up la, the rebellion is tonight like on the 15th uh-huh. At midnight, we will all rise up and kill the... Mongols, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So we will form the rebellion and then like... That, that's the legend lah, basically, around this mooncake thing. Oh, wow. Yes. When I was growing up, it's always told to me as like a historical fact. Okay. But I always thought like the story sounds a bit too dramatic. Okay. To be real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was like wondering whether it's real lah. Okay. This story. Yeah, so... After reading quite a lot of articles, like English and Chinese articles about this story, I'm still not very sure <laughs> whether this actually happened okay. in history. Okay. Yeah. The rebellion by this guy mm-hmm. definitely existed. Okay. And also the dynasty change also definitely happened. Okay. But 
nobody really knows for sure whether the mooncake was in like involved in this uh, rebellion. Uprising. Okay, yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. And like whether, you know, there's a notes inside that kind of thing. There are many, many different versions of this story. There's like different types of message inside the mooncake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then like the, maybe the message is not written inside the mooncake. Maybe it's like on the rice paper that is placed underneath the cake. Wow. Okay. Or maybe the message is coded. Then like must assemble different type of mooncake to form the <gasps> message. What? Exciting, right? <laughs> That's so exciting. Okay, yes, yes. Or was mm-hmm. it even mooncakes? It might be other things like medicine or uh, stuff that they pass around. Oh. And then like uh, it contained messages. Oh. Yeah, to be part of this rebellion, uh, basically. The mm-hmm. Chinese articles, they basically tell me the same tale as I heard growing up. Uh, the, the whole like, oh, I stuffed the note inside the... The moon, the cake. moon cake. Yeah, and then this is what caused the rebellion. Uh-huh. And then now that's why we give each other mooncakes, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the English articles, they prefer to view it as like a political device. Like this story is invented to drive like nationalistic sentiments. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Wow, okay. Yes, okay. But, but why nationalistic? Eh? Oh, because they uprise and rebel against the Mongols. So, like, there's a unity among the Chinese people. Or correct, something. correct, correct. Ah. Because, okay. you know, in China, there are different races. Yes. The majority is the Han people. Yes. And then the this Yuan dynasty, mm-hmm. which is the Mongols dynasty, is like when they were ruled by a minority, ma. Yes. So then it's like the narrative is to drive the majority. Ah, to make the majority like bend together. Yes. Okay. Okay, I'm not going to go into it because it's a bit political. Yeah, and then (laughs) we also don't know how much truth there is to it, right? Yes, correct. Okay. Yeah, so I mean, I'm just telling you that, yeah, they prefer to see it as a more political thing. Yeah. Ah, okay, okay. Yes, so I mean, how would we know whether the English side is correct or not also? Like, yeah. maybe there's really evidence. Yeah, but okay, the general consensus, like, amongst all the articles is that the, the truth is that there were many, many stories written about this particular thing. Oh, This okay. mooncake thing. That's why there's so many variations. Mm. But they are stories. Okay. Yeah, there are so many of it that people just began to think of it as fact. Lah. Like, if ah. there are so many stories written by this mm. about this event, then it must have really taken place. Mm. Yeah. This is very similar to our Mulan search term last week. Oh, yes. <laughs> like, we will never know the answer unless we have a time machine. <laughs> Once again, mm-hmm. we need the time machine. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, we will... We will never know what the answer is, but yeah, it's just like that, law. Yeah, law. And then it is an interesting story, so it gets retold over and over again. Yeah, it's it's quite like you know dramatic, right? Like mm-hmm. you know, wow, everybody open the mooncake, then like tonight we will rise. You know, you you say this whole thing, right? You say say say, right? Yeah. Like, it does not like ring a bell at all to me. Like I don't think I ever, <laughs> any of my teachers ever taught me this in history class or oh Chinese goodness. history or something. I see. Okay. Yeah. Yes, it's quite a famous story. Yes. Okay. Is it like uh, as famous as the dragon boat, uh, throw the dumpling in the river kind of famous? I mean, the fact that you have heard of it shows that it's more famous than this story. Oh, okay. Yes, that's true. Yeah. I guess the more uh, famous story related to Mooncake is the Chang'e on the moon. Yeah, with the rabbit friend. Yeah, yeah, correct. Okay. (laughs) But that is mythical. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay, anyway, for most people in our current age, the point of Mooncake is like, 
reunion like it's a time for like catching up with family and friends just sitting and eating mooncake and sipping tea yes so anyone can celebrate that lah yeah 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 you know in last time when I worked in FairPrice they used to give mooncakes as a corporate gift mm. especially among the like the suppliers give to the yes. managers that kind of thing yes yeah it was just a you can get a, quite decadent yeah it's a what you call it Gift giving kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a build relationship kind of ah, thing. Okay, yeah, okay, then okay. we have to cut in the pantry and let everybody eat. Mm. Until the staff are like, Lao Pan can do one already. <laughs> like we eat okay for one whole month. <laughs> like every day in the pantry, there's a new one, a new one, Hello. a new one. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Anyway, have a happy mid-autumn, everybody. Happy eating mooncake. It's a very apt search term. Indeed. Alright, Eliza, what is your search term of the week? My search term is drop bear. Drop bear. Drop bear. D R O P bear. Do you know what it is? The bear drop. Is it? Oh, is it like a, a type of bear? Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. A drop of bear? <laughs> no, not drop of bear. <laughs> drop bear. No. Anyway, you're almost there already. Correct already. The bear drop. It's a it's a type of bear. Correct, correct. Oh, okay. Type of bear. You okay. already said the answer. <laughs> okay, okay. Yes. So, according to Australian Geographic, drop bear, also known as Tylactos plumatus, is a cousin of the koala and it's very aggressive. Hmm. It is said to be carnivorous and quite big, the size of a large dog. And they are known to attack and eat kangaroos and wallabies. So why is it called drop bear? Is it they will climb onto the tree? Mm-hmm. And then they will they are a form of attack to drop themselves onto the thing that they want to eat. Yes, yeah, so smart. I was just going to ask you, do you want to guess why is it called drop bear? <laughs> but then you answered the question already. Oh my god. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The drop bear <laughs> is called drop bear because once its prey is within view, the drop bear will drop as much as 8 meters to pounce on top of the unsuspecting victim. 8 meters is a lot eh. Mm-hmm. Won't they get hurt? The initial impact often stuns the prey allowing it to be beaten on the neck and quickly subdued. I mean, they're dropping on a living thing, lah, so I think it's not that bad. <laughs> okay. Three stories only. Ah. Yeah, still quite high, right? I mean, I mean it's an animal. How big is it? Is it very Size big? of a large dog. Hmm. Okay, lah, huh? Okay. Then yeah, drop on the wallaby or kangaroo. Ah. Okay, interesting. Hmm. Okay, right? Yeah. <laughs> mm. They live in forested coastal regions of eastern and southern Australia, stretching from Cape York Peninsula to Tasmania. It is described by the Museum of Australia as a large arboreal predatory marsupial related to the koala. Mm. That's very interesting. So when you go to these places in Australia, you better look into the trees mm. if you are walking inside the forest. Mm. Later it drop you. Mm, drop on you oh. <laughs> yeah. Arboreal eh. Let me stay in the tree eh. Yeah I'm pretty sure It's very capable of like Attacking us mm. Okay so the interesting thing right Is that The drop bears They seem to be scared of Vegemite What? Vegemite, Vegemite? You know why Vegemite? <laughs> why are they scared? It's like the Australian version of Marmite Yeah 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 <laughs> What is it? You know you want to describe it? Oh you mean like What is it actually? Yeah, what is Vegemite? That's a very good question. 
Is it like yeast or something? Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh. So it's a black, tarry substance. Uh. Very salty. And yes. That has a very pungent smell. Yes. Okay. I like marmite. I'm not one of those people that hate marmite. Yeah, I like it in porridge. Okay. Okay, well, okay. anyway, the drop bears are afraid of this Vegemite smell, especially when it's mixed with human sweat. What? Especially yeah. when it's mixed with human sweat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for those Australians that eat a lot of Vegemite, right, the uh. drop bears won't attack them because the smell will subtly come out of their skin. Then mix it with the sweat. Then apparently it has a chemical reaction. Uh. It's a bit tall. Like a bit smelly, smelly. Wait, 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 wait. Mm. So if you eat a lot of Vegemite, mm. the Vegemite smell will come out of your sweat. Mm. I mean, if you eat a lot of anything, the smell will come out of your sweat. What? Really? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, that's very interesting. I thought like they would like smear the Vegemite on their body or something, then it mixed with their sweat. Yeah, yeah, they're... yeah, also can. So, the, I mean, because normal people, right, yes. don't eat so much Vegemite, right? Y- yes. Then the museum, the Australian museum, right, huh. they suggest that if you go out into the bush, mm. you can put some Vegemite behind your ears. Oh. Yeah. Or on your skin. La. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. Then, Just in case the drop bear go and attack Yeah, you. it will repel the drop bear. Ah. Mm. You can also put some fox in your hair. Fox in my hair. Yeah, to deter the drop bears <laughs> from dropping on you. Because it's sharp, sharp one. Oh. So you point upwards. Then you see like it's quite sharp, then it won't drop on you. Oh, really? Mm. Uh? Mm. Interesting. Mm. <laughs> I didn't even know got this method of attack. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the best part about the drop bears, right? Is that they actually don't exist. What? <laughs> <laughs> Why is this nonsense? <laughs> I have been duped. <laughs> she, I believed she went it. Along. She went I along believed it so much. Yes. <laughs> you got fooled. It's actually an elaborate joke by the Australians against the rest of the world. <laughs> no. Yep. The Australian Geographic article... And the website by the Museum of Australia, mm-hmm. they really exist. Mm. And they really type all this nonsense on it. <laughs> <laughs> they even have interviews with experts saying that drop bears target mostly foreigners because <laughs> the foreigners never exude the Vegemite smell. Oh my god. It's a joke, right? Yes. It's a joke. And the experts think that maybe the drop bears also can discern an Australian accent from a non-Australian accent so they won't attack. Oh, Australia. I see, I mm. see. And a lot of Australians are actually in on the joke. I see. You know Chris Hemsworth? Yes, yes. Thor, right? Yeah, Thor. Yeah, he's also an Australian. Then uh-huh. CNN Travel asked mm. him how to avoid drop bears. Uh, uh, yeah. Then he said, bring an umbrella. <laughs> like, straight face. <laughs> oh my god, so funny. Mm-hmm. Then, so Australian to do this thing. Yeah. <laughs> Then when soldiers, right, from other countries visit Australia to do their exercise or whatever, right? Yeah. Then they will ask the Australian soldiers, hey, how to avoid the snakes and spiders and all your wildlife, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, then the Australians would reply, forget the snakes and spiders. It's the drop bears you have to look out for. <laughs> so, like, it's a common joke. Ah, I mm. see, I see. It's like, the entire nation is... In on it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> In on this very elaborate joke. Yes. <laughs> Apparently, this tale of the drop bears, right? It has existed for decades. Oh. And it's mostly circulated among the Australians who grew up in farming communities. Mm. And they also like to use this tale to scare Australian children 
who are out camping so that they don't stray too far from the campsite. Oh, okay, like, okay, don't go okay. walk you so far, later drop bear drop on you. Uh. I mean, it's quite funny also, la. like, you say all these things, then, like, the person, if they really believe, mm-hmm. then, like, they'll see people, like, putting fox on their head, or, like, bringing umbrella into the forest, or, yeah. like, smearing the Vegemite, Vegemite. on yeah. their face, or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the funny thing is for a long while, right, this thing has been dismissed as a spooky cautionary tale. Yeah, okay. And as a joke that Australians play on foreigners. All foreigners, yes. Yes, okay. yes. But ironically, right, recent research has suggested that maybe, maybe, a long time ago, there was a deadly predator in Australia that really did drop from the trees to attack its prey. What? Yep. Oh. So there is archaeological evidence okay. that there is this prehistoric marsupial lion. Okay. And it's called Tylercolio carnifex. Okay, okay. A bit like the saber-toothed tiger that kind of shipment. Uh, uh, yeah. uh. It lived and hunted in Australia thousands of years ago mm-hmm. and possibly had the ability to climb and leap from trees. Climb and leap from trees. Mm. What? That mm. sounds deadly. Yeah, so some people are suggesting that maybe this is the true origin of the drop bear myth. Ah, okay. Not really a bear type thing. It's more like a saber-toothed tiger kind of thing that can climb the tree then just jump down its prey. Okay, but yeah. I mean like clearly it is a joke now. Now lah, yeah. <laughs> but science has shown that really got this animal before thousands of years ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. So okay. maybe the stories just... Just like yeah, evolved into koala. Change, yeah. yeah, the shape changed uh, from lion oh. to, to, to change into cousin of koala. Oh, okay. So they think that it's a giant, scary, aggressive with the sharp teeth, sharp claws type of koala, mm. like a deranged rabbit mm. koala. Mm, 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 yeah, mm. the shape just changed uh. Okay. Yes. <laughs> okay. Question: Are koalas dangerous? No. Why? Because they are too slow. <laughs> They are too slow. <laughs> I don't really feel like they are very dangerous. I guess uh, maybe if their claws are sharp, mm-hmm. I guess, mm-hmm. then maybe they can scratch you. Yes. But it seems like most of the time they don't really like mean any harm. Yes. Collars are not typically dangerous. <laughs> they sleep 22 hours a day. Yeah. Hide in the eucalyptus trees. Yep. There are very minimal interactions with humans. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if you come across one in the wild, right? Yes. You'll probably like screech very loud there after that climb higher. Oh on like, the tree. You've scared me. Yeah. Goodbye. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> or it might just get startled, no sound, then quickly climb up. Oh okay. You know? Okay. But if you really like dash forward and try to grab it, la, uh. then of course it'll try to scratch you. La. Yeah, la, like defense. Yeah. yeah. Or try to bite you. Yeah. Like there are some instances where people walk the dog, then the dog like rush at oh, the koala, then okay, the koala okay, go okay. and attack the dog. Yeah la, like to defend myself. Yeah, la. La. Last resort. Yeah. Yeah, must fight. Mm. Okay, <laughs> I want to end this session with a question. Okay. Why do people go to koala sanctuaries? Why? Mm. This is a joke, right? <laughs> this <laughs> This is a joke. Yes. <laughs> to have to. some quality time. <laughs> quality time. <laughs> okay, it's time for our special segment. Alright. <laughs> How come you know it's a joke? When is the koala's favorite time of the day? Tea time? Because quality time. Ha ha ha. Why you take my joke? Because <laughs> I'm trying to expand on it. 
Okay. Why did the koala get the job? Because he hugged the tree. I don't know. Because it had the right koala vacations. <laughs> Are we ready? Okay, for thank you, thank segments? you. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to put that in. Yes, we have it's to put that the in. <laughs> no. <laughs> All it right. is time for our special segment. Three things to Google from a friend. So Eliza, who is the contributor for this week? This week, our do, contributor do, 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 is do, do, Justin. Do. Oh, awesome. He sent us these search terms through Instagram yep. and said, keep up the good work. Oh, thank you. Thank yes. you for listening. Thank you, Justin. Alright, his first search term is history of pineapple on pizza. Ah. Yeah, who put the first pineapple on the pizza and think that it was good? Mm, good question. I think pineapples were very popular at one point. Like your banana epidemic, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. We mentioned your banana epidemic in the Longkang Kitties episode, I think. So, right, the pizza with the pineapples on it is called a Hawaiian, right? Do you think it's a Hawaiian person that put the pineapple on the pizza? No. It's always like the thing that is caught, right? It's always not from the place. Huh? Like the Singapore noodles is not from Singapore. Yeah, correct. Okay. I'm just like And the French fries is not <laughs> from France, right? Yes. Mm. Okay. Uh, my guess is it's an American who made it and he think that the tropical people will like it, so he called it the Hawaiian. What about you? Yeah, I guess. Similar guess. She agrees. <laughs> <laughs> Let's find out. Okay, this is quite surprising. Mm-hmm. It originated from Canada in 1962. Exactly. It's a new thing. <laughs> it's so new. I didn't know it's so new. 1960s eh. <laughs> okay, so it was invented by this guy called Sam Panopoulos. He's a Greek-born Canadian. Mm-hmm. And he was inspired by preparing Chinese dishes, which mm-hmm. commonly make sweet and savory flavors, like goloyo. Yeah. So he experimented with adding pineapple, ham, bacon, and other toppings to his pizza. Yeah. So initially, it was not very popular. But then later on, it became super popular. Mm. I think it's very interesting that the Hawaiian pizza is actually inspired by American Chinese food. Exactly. <laughs> the American author John Green, mm-hmm. he actually reflected on like this dish and how it's like so very crazy. It reaches a lot of regions. Because mm-hmm. it is invented in, in Canada. Canada by a Greek immigrant mm-hmm. and is inspired by Chinese cuisine mm-hmm. to put a South American fruit mm-hmm. onto an Italian dish. Yes. And it has gained its greatest popularity in Australia. You mean Australians really love this thing? It is the most popular pizza in Australia in 1999, accounting for 15% of pizza sales. 15% wow. eh. And there are so many pizza flavors. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's not little. One possible reason of why it became popular, right, is because at that point in time, in 1959, Hawaii had officially become an American state. And then there was a whole popularization of the tiki culture. Hawaii. Yeah. Then a lot of people, right, 
they fall in love with this island lifestyle and this kind of like picky vibes, mm, mm, beach mm, vibes, mm, mm, you know. Yeah, it was a whole uh, fad happening in America. Ah, interesting. Mm. Like Hawaii wave. Yes. Then also, canned pineapples were being imported into North America along with pineapple juice. Ah, yes, yes, yes. And then, the brand name of the tinned pineapple that Panopolos use is Hawaiian. Yeah, the brand is called Hawaiian. Yeah, so he just named it after the brand of the canned pineapple they use. Yes. <laughs> How simple. It was not complicated at all. <laughs> and why it's so nice? Because double acidity. Acidic and acidic. And then plus savoury. Yes. cheese and the ham. Yes, then because it's canned pineapple, it's not fully sour, it's sweet. Mm. So it's like, so many tastes and flavours in the mouth. So good. Yeah. Mm. Of course, it's very divisive. Some people hate it. Okay. <laughs> you are allowed your opinion. Okay, his next search term is, why does food stick to a hot pan? Oh, you mean like if I cook egg, then I put it on a not non-stick pan. Mm-hmm. Then like it stick to the pan. Mm. Mm. Why? Uh? Science. <laughs> because science. I mean, when there's no oil, uh, then it will stick, right? Yes. Because it's burnt. Why does it not like blister and fall off? I mean, because it's not alive, is it? That's why it doesn't blister. Why does the chicken not blister? <laughs> I don't know. You know, very gross. I think the blisters happen because there's a skin layer. Why the fish, chicken, all that, they never blister. They just char and stick to the pan. I think if there's a skin layer, they do blister. They do blister? They do? Maybe. I don't know. I fry the chicken. With the skin and with the with skin. With the skin on. Like when you fry the fish, also what? Skin on, man. The Not skin the side whole, down like, first. Let's say if the whole chicken, eh? Oh, because it's a whole piece that's resting on the pan, right? Uh. You're not touching one part of it, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, ho. Hmm. Uh, okay, let's find out. <laughs> okay, so it is quite purely chemical. So mm-hmm. the meat sticks to the pan because the sulfur atoms in the protein of the meat react to the metal atoms in the pan. Mm. So they form a very strong chemical bond that fuses the meat to the metal. So mm. if you just imagine if you touch a very hot metal, it will stick. Yep. It's so gross, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so once the pan becomes hot enough, the link between the protein and the metal will loosen. And then the bond will eventually break. So actually, right, sometimes mm-hmm. when you cook the meat, right, Mm-hmm. It's because you haven't wait long enough. Mm. Then you go and make it, then you stick. Mm. But maybe if you wait a bit longer, right? Then the thing will naturally separate. Then you can. I see. Like you know, like and somehow st- because the meat inside also has a bit of oil, ma. Uh, uh, then uh. the oil will be leak out. Then it will help you separate more. But purely on the chemical basis, right? Mm-hmm. At some point, it will unattach. Because the the link will be broken mm. when the pan becomes hot enough. And you were saying that it's a protein thing, right? Mm. Which explains why eggs are so difficult to cook on a non-stick pan. Because eggs are protein. You mean like a, a stick pan, not a non-stick? On a regular <laughs> pan. On a regular <laughs> pan, yes. <laughs> yes. 
I think I know very little about chemistry. It's, <laughs> it's also essential to pat your meat dry before you place it in the pan. Otherwise, the heat in the pan will evaporate the water on the surface rather than brown the meat. So you put it in, right? It's like tss, all the, yes, all the yes, water yes, come yes, out yes, instead yes. of the meat turn brown. And the goal, right, is to start breaking down the proteins on the surface of the meat as quickly as possible before oh. they start bonding with the metal. Oh. Mm. So any heat and time loss in cooking off that moisture is working against you. Interesting. That's why they have to make it super dry. Dry, they put inside. Then browning also means flavor, ma. Ah, uh, yes. Mm. What is it called again? The Mayotte effect. Yeah. It's better to be searing the meat, right, mm-hmm. than to steam it in its wetness. You know? Oh, yes. I know like what you, you mean. want the grill to touch it and yes. sear it, right? Yep. So that it's like tasty, right? Mm. Instead of like having that water layer to like steam, sort, sort of steam it. <laughs> half know? steam, half cook, yeah, half yeah. fry. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so anyway, non-stick pans, they work because there is a non-porous surface mm-hmm. that does not react to the food the hot food oh. because regular pans with all the metals right there is ah. like some pores in it then the protein will stick 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 it's the metal la, that reacts to the yeah la, it's the metal sulfur la. atoms but non-stick pan they have one layer lo, oh, one special chemical prevent coating this layer. reaction from happening mm. ah okay mm. but then you scratch it ah no ah. wonder when you scratch away the layer or you like accidentally scratch with the fork or something ah the fork or the knife or ah. the metal the metal what's that wok chan Yes. What's Wok Tan called? Ladle. Something like that. Yeah. You <laughs> could scratch your pen, then scratch, scratch, then the special coating no more already. Mm. Uh, then your egg was stick then. Okay, now yeah. we understand. Okay, science. Very science. Okay, so his third search term is yes. Chicago train tracks fire. Hmm. Sounds dangerous. Hmm. I've not heard of this. Me neither. Thing. Is it a arson case Maybe or some it's accident a event? Must be very big for him to want us to search it. <laughs> what is it? Huh? It is not an incident. It's not like an accident or anything like that. Yeah, it is not. That's so interesting. It's something very curious. <laughs> so when it is cold mm. in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, like maybe in the winter when there's snow and everything. Yes. They set their train tracks on fire on purpose. Yes. <laughs> so that I guess it doesn't freeze, right? And yes. And like keeps the tracks hot. Yes. And it's right below the train track. So it looks like their entire train track is a hot stove burning. Yeah, it's, it's like, like a- little flames coming out of the train tracks. Yeah. It looks like an accident happened. But it did not. It's on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> what in the world? You know, when when I got this search done, I thought it was going to be like, a, oh, in 1975, a fire happened. Yeah, 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 yeah. Something, then something. Big accident. Yeah, then inside all the carriage of the trains got fire, the cargo was spoiled, everything spilled on the road, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> this is fascinating. Eh? Oh, when it gets cold, it is very cold. Yes. Okay, so the flames actually come from gas-fed heaters that run alongside the rails and keep them warm. Mm. They also use this tubular heating system and hot air blowers to heat up the cold track. Ah, 
So like when it's below freezing the mm-hmm. temperature, they mm-hmm. will start using this thing. Yes. The winters are so cold, right, that it can go below zero Celsius, eh? Mm-hmm. Yes, that's quite common. I mean, <laughs> the, the, the reason I'm saying this in this way is because I'm a Singaporean <laughs> that has lived my entire life in sunny Singapore. <laughs> and I try to avoid going to countries when it is sub-10. Okay, below 10 already, I just like, maybe I don't want to go there for winter. Singan who has lived overseas is just like ha 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 it's not a like a very extreme thing yeah it's quite normal for the (laughs) the winters to fall below zero okay yes yeah so they just set their train tracks on fire it's very interesting the pictures are so interesting that I'm going to like put one of these pictures on our social media for the listeners so interesting, yeah, the railroad switch points, right? They can become clogged with ice and snow. So the oh. heating system is used to unclog them. Oh. Ah, understand, okay. So in the past, what happened was the crews, right? They had to go and fill the pots with kerosene. Ah. Then they have to use a very like sharp, sharp point and then just try to pour it gently in the spaces between the track ties and then and then use like some kind of lighter to just go and light, light them but yeah. then it's very dangerous because yeah, yeah, yeah. the human is very near that thing the yes. very flammable thing yes so then they thought that you know what we can make this safer by doing this instead installing a system yes mm. ah so in the end it was because for the safety of humans Indeed. we are so ingenious do, 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 do. Alright, that's the end of our special segment. So, Jingan, what is your second search term of the week? Okay, my second search term of the week is... Do 10 white hairs really grow back if you pluck one? (laughs) You know there's a myth. If you pluck one white hair, then? then 10 will grow back. I've never heard of this before. There is this myth. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Like, they will say, like, you know, if you pluck your white hair, then then 10 will grow back. back. I don't think 10 will grow back. (laughs) I think if you pluck one, then you will age slowly over time. Then as you age, then during that time when you're aging, maybe some white hairs will grow back. Maybe not 10, maybe 2 or 3. Then you'll be like, oh no, there's there's 2 or 3 more. Will it become 10? Like that. Uh, that, that's my theory. Okay, okay. Very good theory. Very science. Very, very almost correct. I think it's all correct, yeah. <laughs> yes, because I do this podcast long enough, where really, 80 episodes. I know everything has a science answer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So, mm. yes, it's definitely an old wife's tale. Mm-hmm. When you pluck a white hair, mm-hmm. one will grow back mm. in the same follicle. It will exactly grow back there. Yeah, la. Because that follicle can only produce one hair. Ma. Oh. So, so that follicle will grow back. La, your, that but one it will definitely hair. be white. Mm, that's something that we'll talk about later. Okay. Because <laughs> okay. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it can grow colour again. What? Cannot meh? Cannot. You think? I think can or cannot? I think can. La, you, that's why people make supplements and things. Wa. Then they eat, eat, eat really. Then something happens. So like, is there any scientific evidence for this supplement thing? 
depends whether it's prescribed by the doctor. If the doctor prescribed one, then yes. If it's just some nonsense snake Since man when trying doctor to lie to prescribe you. these things. Since when doctor the doctors don't prescribe such things, uh. do, do they? I thought there's aesthetic doctors, like people who make people more beautiful. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, okay, like you said, the hairs around that one white hair, right, the original white hair, is already turning white. Uh-huh. But because the hair, like, turns white or grey very slowly, uh-huh. by the time the first original white hair grow back, right, the hairs around the original hair uh-huh. have turned white yeah. together with that original hair. Uh-huh. That's why the myth come about. Aging, ma. Yeah. Uh. So, like, it's just... Uh, a myth lah. It, it it's not a causal thing. It's not you pluck one then ten grow back exactly. white. It's already they are turning white. Yes. Then you just happen to pluck that hair. Yep. Okay. Correct. So, do you know why we have white hair? Something something cannot produce pigment with colour anymore. Correct. That's great. <laughs> That's, that's almost correct. <laughs> this is what happens when you don't study bio in secondary <laughs> something, school. Something, something, something. Yeah. Okay, so mm-hmm. your hair is your hair colour. Uh-huh. Be it black, blonde or brown. Mm-hmm. It's because there's this thing in your hair follicle mm-hmm. called the melanocyte, mm-hmm. which contains melanin. Okay. Which is a type of pigment. Mm. And this is the thing that dyes your hair. Mm. So all our hair mm. is originally white, no colour one. Oh. Then the melanocytes in the follicle dye it whatever colour you have in your gene. Oh. Then your hair just grow out in that colour. Oh. Mm. Okay. But over time, our melanocytes grow old mm-hmm. together with us mm-hmm. and stop producing so much pigment. Oh. So it causes our hair to lighten. Oh. So originally our hair is white. Yes. Ah. Or colourless. Oh. Colorless, like transparent, Because uh. like people who are blonde, uh huh, like it's whitish, then it's dyed the blonde color. Uh. Oh, mm. understand? Mm. So it's light. So we are like actually, as we get white hairs, mm. we're actually going back to our OG hair color, which yes. is actually no color. Mm. Mm. So mm. essentially, each follicle, right, mm. is a printer. Yes. It's like a paper, you put the white A4 white paper in, right? Yeah. In the printer, then it will zzz, 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 <laughs> then it will come out black colour. Yeah, your hair there. follicle no ink already when you grow old. Ah, I see. <laughs> Noted. You finish all the ink. Yeah, okay. correct. Mm. Yes, so the melanin also has different types of melanin. Mm-hmm. So there's the dark kind and the light kind. Mm-hmm. So different dyes, la, like according oh. to your gene. Oh, so like depends on what race we are or what, is it? Yeah. Oh, like okay. The, like ginger is red, right? Yes. Then like blonde people are blonde. Uh. Brunette is brown. Ah, uh, yes, 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 yes. Like that's their natural hair colour. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. So you have a natural printer system in each of your follicles. Yes, that's right. Mm. Okay, so what is the link between stress and white hair? Uh, something stress causes us to age faster. Uh, telomere shorten. Mom problem die early. So as we our body start to deteriorate and die early due to stress, then one of the first things to go is your printer hair ink because it is <laughs> not very 
<laughs> not very uh, useful. Your printer hair ink. Yeah. <laughs> It's not very useful in your evolutionary uh, purpose, you know. Oh, hmm. I guess your 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 theory is quite interesting, but I think it's like very hard to prove. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, but I think they've tried to prove it uh, with different things, like for example, like the because when you are stressed, then the something to do with the oxide levels in your your near your scalp or something, and then that creates hydrogen peroxide. Which uh-huh. bleaches your hair. What? Okay. Which is the thing that you use to so bleach you will your hair. So you create natural bleach. Hydrogen peroxide. Yes, we do naturally do that. Oh, wow. Yeah, so a little we bit create of natural bleach and bleach our own hair. Yeah, so that is possible also. Okay. Yeah, but like, we don't really know exactly. Okay. Yeah, there have been many uh, experiments to show the correlation. Oh. But like the real cause is like harder to uh, study. Oh. Yeah, I think. So anyway, in 2021, a study was published about the link between stress and graying hair. Mm-hmm. We can't really see it, but actually hair, right? You know, one strand of hair mm-hmm. has varying levels of grayness along the same strand. Okay. So like we normally see as the whole thing is black, right? But actually yes. maybe it's uh, different levels of black. Okay. Yeah. So they got participants to fill out a stress diary mm-hmm. and studied their hair mm. and the level of greyness along the strand. Mm. Then they found very obvious links between stress and the hair turning grey. Mm. But more stunningly, that the grey hairs can turn back to black mm. after distressing. Okay. Yeah, this is very interesting because in the previous experiment mm. that was done on mice, the accepted conclusion was that once the hairs turn grey, they cannot turn back really. Oh. It's like a switch. Maybe for animal cannot lah, but for human can. Maybe. Don't know yet. More studies needed. Yes, correct. Mm. Anyway, don't mm. pluck your white hairs because it will just grow back. And also plucking it will cause trauma to the follicle and it might not grow back. Oh. So you will just lose hair, basically. Oh, and because you also... go and damage the very sensitive follicle part. Mm, correct. Oh, and I also see. it might cause infection. Ah. If you really want to get rid of the white hair, just cut it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think something interesting that you said just now was that a hair mm. could be many shades of black or brown, right? Yes, yes. I think these many shades of black, right? A lot of people cannot understand it. Especially uh, people who don't do visual arts. Because we do visual <laughs> arts, then we know that actually black got many shades of black. Because people think black is black. Mm, but mm, there mm. is like warm black, cool black. There is like black that is not so black and black that is like not so saturated black. I mean, to be fair, it's very difficult to tell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there is, there is. There's like greenish black, there's yes. bluish black, there yes. is like reddish black. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Yes. Yeah, I, th- I thought that that was fascinating and you see there. I was like, oh yes, there's shades of black. Yes. Yeah. 50 shades of black. Black. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, Eliza, what is your search term of the week? My search term is... Did anything happen during Y2K? Do you uh, remember this thing? Do you yes. remember Y2K? Yes. What was your experience of it? My understanding of it is mm-hmm. that from 99, that means 1999 mm-hmm. to 2000, mm-hmm. they were worried that the computers cannot update like when the year switch. Mm-hmm. Then they all like like die or something. All the computers cannot uh-huh. make sense of the number. Uh-huh then they were worried lor, that it will cause a lot of problems in the world and systems to fail. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
That's why they call it the Y2K virus. Then did any of the adults around you like freak out or something? Not really, I think. We all heard of the this thing happening. Mm-hmm. They didn't freak out. I guess I knew about it. But I, I didn't know. Like, oh my god, it's gonna happen. Like, what to do? I don't know what to do. That kind of thing, you know. Like, panic. There was no, no panic. No. It was just like, meh. Maybe yeah. the computer spoil like that. Never give me any preparation. Oh. Yeah, just like, oh, this is thing. That's okay. It. <laughs> when it happened to me, it was in 1999, right? I was P5. Oh, okay. Going to P6. Then there was a lot of hoo-ha from the adults about the computers. Maybe I was too young. I can vaguely remember them saying like, don't turn on the computer at midnight, like 11.59. Because if your computer is on then when you switch to 00, Zero, oh. zero, then your computer will spoil. Mm. That kind of thing. Uh. Mm. Or some virus will kind of attack your computer. Mm, mm, or some mm. nonsense like that. Mm, mm, then mm. there was a, a whole like, everybody must off the electronics. Don't even on your TV. Oh. You know, that kind of thing. In case all the thing something wrong. Maybe, maybe. But because I, I don't use the computer. Like, so much, right? At the age. Yeah, I was very young. Like. You were what? <laughs> primary... Three, three, I guess. Four, okay. So, yeah, I didn't have a chance to use the computer as well. Okay. Yeah, so it was more of like my brother and sister's uh, responsibility. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I see. <laughs> okay. Well, Y2K. Why is it called Y2K? Uh, I don't know, eh. I just thought like 2K is 2000, la, mm. but I don't know, but I guess it's why is the year 2000. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> yes. Y2K is year. Then 2K is 2,000 lor. Oh, because okay. K is stand for kilo ma. Then uh, kilo yes. is unit of 1,000. Yeah. yeah. Y2K bug is also known as the millennium bug. It is a computer flaw that led to widespread anxiety and the Y2K scare. I think that nothing actually happened. It's mm-hmm. more like the humans got a freak out session. That's oh, it. okay. Well, actually things did happen it's just that we were not aware of it <laughs> oh, because we were too young I see I see yes so you were right like you know when they started making the computer programs mm-hmm. the that was in the 1960s uh, mm. the engineers were using two digit codes for the years so yes. they left out the 19 so they shortened the date at that point to two digits only understand yeah so it's like 60, 61, 62 70, 71, 72, 75 okay they, the they, maybe they didn't think that it would last past the millennium no, 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 it's because the data storage. I thought they are like, oh, they don't see the future in computers, but cannot be what? Because they're engineers, they see uh, forward, right? Okay. It's because at that time, the data storage in computers was very, very expensive. Oh, even one more number yes. is... Uh, okay, one yeah. more number, one more data is very expensive. Interesting. Mm, so they shorten it. But as the year 2000 approached, right, then the programmers realized that, hey, the computers might not interpret 00 as 2000, but it might revert back to 1900s. Mm. like 1900 the year instead of 2000 okay then that would cause a problem yeah then they predicted that activities that are programmed on a daily or yearly basis would be damaged or flawed so like for example banks because mm. they need to calculate interest rates on a daily basis mm. that one will be affected mm. then there are places that rely heavily on technical predictions for example power plants because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they need to like calculate the date and then calculate prediction of like water pressure radiation all that kind of thing okay okay yeah those will be affected and transportation especially airlines because flight schedules depend on the correct dates and times ah. so these were the top three industries that they already preempt that some Something will happen, something will happen. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, actually, it's a software problem and a hardware problem. Mm. Since they already predicted that this will happen, 
So for 10, maybe 15, some even 20 years in advance, uh, they start working on it already. So they managed to save it. Okay, Yeah. But there were still some instances where there were a few failures. Oh. Yeah. For example, US spy satellites. They stopped working for three days. I see. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, there was a software patch, but the software patch got issue. Then the satellite keeps sending indecipherable information. <laughs> yeah, until they fixed it. Okay. Uh, then in Japan, some alarms in the nuclear power plants went off. Oh. Like, wheel, 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 wheel. Okay. Yeah, because the calculation and prediction all cannot all wrong. Mm. Yeah, all wrong. Uh, some is the monitoring system just shut down. Okay, okay. Yeah, then all the humans had to scramble to, like, fix it. Uh, but okay. there's no meltdown. La. It's just mm. all the system haywire. It wasn't like catastrophic. Yeah, there's no catastrophic thing. It's just like glitches. Yes. Okay. But then it made a lot of people like have to work very hard uh. for the few days. <laughs> but we are so young, we didn't even know that all this thing happened. Okay, okay. Then across the world, right, some companies and organizations, their system dates went back to 1900 instead of going to 2000. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. But then like quite inconsequential. Right? Like, for mm. example, hospital. Mm. Uh, the Denmark, their first millennium baby, right, mm. when it, it was born, mm. uh, the system registered it as 100 years old. Oh, that's very funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of so small thing. Uh, inconsequential stuff. I think the interesting thing one is that there's this company called Preparedness Resources. Okay. Mm. And it sold $16 million worth of Y2K survival kits. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was for people who were worried that this was going to cause like some kind of apocalypse. Yeah, some Armageddon kind of thing. Uh. Yeah. The kit had dehydrated food, water purifier, battery-free flashlights, mm. blankets, mm. waterproof matches, mm. etc. Mm. So smart yes. eh. Sell $16 million, eh. Dollars worth. Yeah. Anyway, the thing is, Y2K happened. And things happened, mm. but not very catastrophic things happened because a lot of people worked very hard for many years in advance. To make sure that these things didn't happen. Yes. Mm, very so good. So nowadays, a lot of people dismiss the Y2K thing as a scare or a hoax. Yes. But actually, there was a lot, a lot of work mm, into, into making this, it a very non-event. Like to avert this crisis. Yes. Oh, thank you so much for your hard work. Yeah, it's a very unappreciated job. Yes, indeed. Mm. Alright, we've reached the almost end of our podcast and now it is time for... One thing to recommend. My recommendation for this week is... Film photography! Recently I got a film camera as a gift and it was incredibly fun to take pictures with it and explore the world of film photography. The experience of like choosing the shots and mm-hmm. waiting for moments helped me to be like so present when I'm like taking a pictures. And also I like the idea of capturing important moments and memories in a single row of film. Like let's say for a certain event or a mm. certain period of time. Mm. Yeah. And, and and also because you only have a limited number of shots, right? Yeah, Then exactly. you cannot waste, right? <laughs> yeah, you have to choose properly. Mm. Yeah, it's fairly inexpensive and easy to start out with, so I highly recommend it for, like, if you want to just have a new experience. Mm. Mm. My recommendation for this week is a life hack. Okay. My life hack is to dim the lights after sunset. 
Mm. Even if I have to still work at the computer at night or mm-hmm. in the evening, mm-hmm. instead of turning on the super big light in my room, mm-hmm. I turn on a desk lamp or a side lamp. And I find that it helps my brain adjust to a more natural sleeping time. Mm. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Then when it comes to about around midnight-ish, then my brain will be like, okay, it's time to be sleepy. Yes. And I will gradually fall asleep. Then after that, the next day, I can wake up when somewhat the sun rises. Mm. That kind of time. Mm. Yeah. I understand. So it makes my whole entire circadian rhythm more normal or follow the sun. Mm. I think I do a like modified version of this. It's like when I am uh, beside my bed, like chilling, mm-hmm. then I will turn on the night light. Ah, okay. Yeah. It has to set your brain, right? Because the big light is too bright. Yeah. yeah, the big light is too bright. <laughs> Especially in Singapore, everybody's everywhere is very bright. Yes, so bright. We've reached the end of this week's podcast. Thank you, Eliza, for making this podcast with me. And thank you, Jingan, for doing this podcast with me. If you have Googled anything interesting lately, you can drop us a DM or comment on any of our social media accounts and we'll search it up on the show. You can also follow us on our Twitter, Instagram, or on our Facebook page where we post images of some of the things that we talked about today. You can also help share our show with your friends that might enjoy a comedy trivia podcast. If you'd like to support us, you can head over to our Patreon page and give us a small contribution to help us keep the show running. And now, we're off to record One More Thing, a Patreon-only podcast called One More Thing. So, see you there! There was a whole popularization of the tiki culture. Hawaii! Hawaii! A lot of Say wrongly. <laughs> Hawaii. Okay. Anyway, have a happy mid autumn, everybody. Happy eating mooncake. Is is this week? Eh? Next week. Uh, when I mean, our oh, yeah, this week, release. I guess, yeah. When our episode release. Uh, yeah. Interesting. Okay. You mean you, you will not know? No way. Please cut all these things. <laughs> <laughs> we literally <laughs> saw the mooncake. Cut all these whispers out. Um, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> I, I know it's happening, but I don't know when. <laughs>